This is KOOP HD1 HD3 Hornsby. Welcome to the Austin Chronicle show. My name is Kim Jones and I am the editor of the Austin Chronicle. Uh, That's Austin's independent source of news and culture reporting since 1981. In the studio today, I have Austin Sanders. Uh, Austin covers a variety of beats for us at the Chronicle, including education, the Austin FC saga, but probably the biggest chunk of Austin's time is spent uh, down at City Hall covering City Council for us. So uh, a big decision came out of City Council not too long ago. This is changes to the existing homelessness ordinance, and uh, we're here to talk to Austin about it today. Hey, Austin. Hi. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming in. Uh, so you have the cover story this week, um, and let's just dive into what are the changes to the ordinance? What was what was the policy beforehand? Mm-hmm. What is it now? Yeah. So on uh, June twentieth, the uh, uh, city council voted to uh, ease some uh, three city ordinances that um, uh, you know determined whether people could uh, camp, sit, or lie in public spaces, uh, and how they could uh, panhandle or you know ask for money. Uh, the official language was um, uh, aggressive solicitation. Uh, but so those were changed. Uh, the panhandling ordinance was changed to uh, aggressive confrontation, the idea being um, everyone has the constitutional right to speak in public and asking for money should be uh, protected. Uh, and so uh, that's why that was changed. And then the other uh, ordinances um, there were kind of two main reasons for changing those. Uh, one was also kind of a constitutional uh, argument. Um, there have been cases throughout the country uh, where uh, uh, laws uh, in other cities, uh, similar laws, have been um, uh, found unconstitutional. Um, uh, the main idea being, you know, if your if your city uh, doesn't have another place for uh, people living on the streets uh, to go, uh, if they don't have enough shelter capacity, uh, then you can't make it illegal for them to sleep on the street mm-hmm. uh, in, in you know public pl- pl- public spaces and sorry to interrupt that is the case in Austin correct that there are not enough beds for the number of homeless that's right yeah um, you don't need an exact one-to-one ratio uh, so you don't need a a bed for every single person mm-hmm. experiencing homelessness uh, however yeah the number is definitely insufficient in Austin uh, and so that was uh, you know the uh, uh, motivation for for making the change uh, the other motivation is that, uh, you know, issuing citations to people who are already in poverty uh, and who are unlikely to be able to pay the fine, let alone get to the courthouse uh, to actually appear for their uh, court date, uh, those things can turn into warrants, uh, which can turn into arrests, uh, which can make it more difficult for people to actually attain housing. So uh, the process of exiting homelessness uh, is already difficult and takes a long time. Uh, And these uh, citations could serve as barriers uh, to exiting homelessness. So uh, much of the council uh, agrees with that principle and uh, wanted to change the ordinance Mm -hmm. because of that. Right. So the principle is not, we're not trying to encourage more people to camp on the streets. It's about decriminalizing homelessness in a way to get people sort of not in the system and not throw up more barriers for them. Right. Yeah, exactly. The uh, opponents to these 
ordinance changes, they they tend to frame it that way mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, this just enables people uh, to sleep on the streets and uh, doesn't provide a solution. But they're not really considering the longer term plan that the city uh, is developing. They kind of have it in broad strokes and are beginning to fill in the finer details. Uh, but yeah, it includes uh, uh, building more shelter space, uh, you know, providing more funding to service providers uh, and others that do the actual individualized work with people experiencing homelessness to meet their needs in a way that will, uh, you know, help them uh, get down the path to a more stable life and permanent housing, you know, a stable income, those kind of things mm -hmm. that uh, would really help them out. Okay, well, let's, as you said, the, the opponents to this, um, this has been a fairly controversial mm -hmm. uh, change to the ordinance. Um, I think sort of generally speaking, we can all agree that people shouldn't be homeless and that we should try to provide for them as a city. I think that that is, has a lot to do with Austin likes to think of itself. Um, but once you get down to the practical, what does this actually mean? What does this mean if, it, if a shelter is moving into your neighborhood? Mm -hmm. That's when people start to get a little riled up. Do you want to uh, talk to us about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. So th this has been kind of addressed um, by, you know, a uh, uh, members of the Downtown Austin Alliance who are um, perhaps not as um, critical in their opposition, but have certainly uh, voiced concern um, uh, in, in public ways. And um, they have said, you know, you know, we can't have it both ways. You can't say we uh, are upset with these ordinance changes and uh, they're going to be harmful to the city, but then also uh, raise a ruckus if the city wants to build a shelter um, in your area. Um, and it's important to note the shelter that was announced is not actually in a, a neighborhood. It's near homes and other businesses, but it's, it's, it's near Benway, it's near a highway. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not in embedded in a neighborhood. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, you, you, you can't really have it both ways. Uh, um, if you want, if you say that you want to be able to help people experiencing homelessness, then it, it, it requires a lot of hard choices. Um, as several people I've talked to um, on both sides of this issue have, um, have, you know, put it, it requires a lot of, of, of hard choices. And one of them is, like you said, is building more uh, shelter capacity. And so the council voted on June 20th to approve um, a, a potential shelter uh, in South Austin. They're currently negotiating uh, a purchase of that property, and then they would uh, find a nonprofit who could run it, uh, and then uh, it would you know, begin uh, accepting people. Uh, which district members? Uh, so district that's in that? District Five and okay. Kitchen, South Austin. Mm -hmm. uh, but the idea is to uh, uh, put one of these shelters um, in every council district, so every part okay. of town, um, in a sense that the community is kind of uh, uh, you know in this together, and we're all uh, contributing in a way uh, to kind of help reduce the number of people living on the streets. And there's a Salvation Army one uh, in District 1 that is almost ready to open. Is that correct? Yeah. So they the construction is expected to be completed by the fall. Mm -hmm. um, half of it is is nearing completion by August, uh, and then the second wing uh, will be by the fall. But the problem that um, the Salvation Army is running into is they don't have enough funding uh, to uh, staff it and actually, uh, you know, 
provide the services that will make this shelter successful. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so they are kind of, um, you know, you know, needing to bring that money in. Um, The city has provided some. Um, They're asking business leaders, individuals to uh, uh, help in that cause. And the reason that they need the funding is because the type of shelter that this new Salvation Army will be and the one in South Austin, it's not just a place for people to sleep for a night, um, which uh, the downtown shelter, the Arch, provides beds in that way. It's just a roof over people's heads. Um, In these new shelters, they call them housing focused. Uh, And the idea is the only way you're allowed to stay at one of these shelters is if you're engaging in case management. Uh, And that means you're working with a professional uh, social worker who can help you permanently exit homelessness. Uh, And that can take the form of uh, providing financial assistance, uh, helping with chronic uh, 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 medical conditions, uh, helping to connect through with uh, job training or just a job. Uh, So these are the kind of services uh, that require real money to to operate. Uh, And uh, the the council and, you know, uh, experts on homelessness say this is the way uh, to help people. Uh, You've got to provide a place for them to live. You got to provide housing, uh, but people, uh, some people will need additional supports to be successful uh, in those uh, mm-hmm. environments. So obviously the ordinance change, that that is not the end to this by any means. Uh, City Council has been on break for most of the summer at this point, right? Uh, yeah, they take a, a break in, in July, so they don't meet, right. although plenty of them have been very active, uh, and especially since they kind of, you know, uh, passed this uh, very uh, controversial vote at their last meeting before Mm -hmm. the break. So a lot of them have been feeling questions and concerns, especially uh, Mayor Steve Adler. He's been very active and kind of uh, publicly talking about this issue and kind of addressing concerns. But you're right. uh, They return on August 8th uh, is the is the next meeting. And uh, throughout August and going forward, um, uh, the council uh, expects to hear additional uh, recommendations from uh, city manager Spencer Krog on how to continue uh, moving the city toward uh, reducing homelessness. Mm-hmm. Just on a personal note, what what's your experience been like reporting this story? It's you know uh, it, it's been really uh, revealing and kind of uh, illuminating talking to people. One thing that was told to me before I started to kind of hit the streets and talking to people experiencing homelessness is uh, this idea that there is a a spectrum of uh, uh, homelessness. So there is just like any population, there is no monolithic homeless community. Everyone is an individual and they have their own story and their own needs uh, and their own path to exiting homelessness. So uh, you really get a feel for that when you're actually talking to people. Um, you you talk to people who have maybe been uh, without housing for just a few weeks or a month. Uh, you know, they lost a job and weren't able to, to pay their rent and didn't have a, a Uh, support system, uh, friends or family in the area to kind of uh, sleep on their couch or something. You talk to people who have been on the streets for 10 or 20 years uh, and who simply don't have 
uh, faith in the kind of uh, shelter system, the kind of uh, uh, institutional uh, support that is intended to uh, help lift them up. Uh, so th- that was kind of a-, a big thing for me was was kind of uh, um, you know learning that there really is the spectrum of individuals who I- exist um, without housing. Mm-hmm. And a little concerning that it seems like is it accurate to say that there is a rise in I don't know, public rancor. Um, in your piece, you speak to a couple that has had a variety of things thrown at them, uh, escalated to the point where their where their structure was destroyed. Yeah, that's a that's a couple. Uh, Philip Mitchell and Arlene Page. They have both been experiencing homelessness for an extended period, and they each have their own struggles uh, and 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 battles that they're working through. Uh, and I think it's important to note that they have been um, uh, targeted, they say, before these ordinance changes Mm. uh, brought a lot of public attention uh, to the issue of homelessness. Uh, But I think that just speaks to society's attitude toward uh, individuals, you know, living without housing in general. But certainly uh, there has been a lot of uh, really toxic uh, and dehumanizing language uh, on social media, especially Mm -hmm. um, even from, um, uh, uh, you know, official organizations that you would expect could 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 handle this better, um, and yeah, you know, it's 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 a very difficult, I think, to kind of uh, uh, definitively link that kind of language to uh, violence or you know actual physical acts. Uh, but it feels very differently when your Philip or your Arlene and your 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 housing, your home catches on fire mm-hmm. and s- from someone throwing a firecracker um, at uh, uh, at your your belongings. Uh, so for them, uh, it definitely felt like they were targeted uh, because of uh, you know this vitriol that's been in the kind of discourse since the ordinances mm-hmm. were changed. Well, I I appreciate you talking to the couple and putting a human face on this. I think that that is honestly what a lot of us really need to do is just sort of understand them not as a problem, but rather as people experiencing something. Uh, Austin, thank you so much for coming in here. I know that we are going to be hearing more from you in the paper covering this and and everything else with City City Council coming back uh, next week. Uh, so I guess uh, your story uh, is uh, it's the cover story this week on Stands Now uh, and also available at AustinChronicle.com. Uh, we've got some important announcements, so don't go anywhere. We will be back after a quick break. Welcome back to the Austin Chronicle Show. We are here in the studios of Co-op Community Radio, 91.7 FM in Austin, live streaming through coop.org. I'm your host, Kim Jones, editor of the Austin Chronicle. And with me is Chronicle Arts Listings Editor, Wayne Allen Brenner. Hi. Hi, Hi Brenner. Hi, Kimberly. (laughs) Thanks for coming in. Hey, it's good to be here. Uh, The reason why I asked Brenner to come in today is because he uh, wrote a story in the issue that is out on stands today. And it is about a very cool event that seems to pull in a lot of the things that Austinites love, uh, music and movies and and acting and just all kinds all kinds of multimedia neatness. Can you talk to us about it? Sure. Mostly it's about how Galveston was destroyed. No, that's not <laughs> okay. true. No, no, no. Uh, although that's a nice hook that's in there. This is The Living Coast. It's the latest in a collaboration between uh, Justin Sherburn and his band Montopolis and the filmmaker Anlo Sepulveda. 
Now, these guys have worked together in the past. They've done, uh, this will be the fourth thing. Mm -hmm. They started off with a documentary about the San Marcos River called Yacona, which I think was the audience favor, uh, favorite back in 2012, maybe, at South By. Okay. It was some, yeah, it was a big deal. Right. It was yeah. a big deal at mm -hmm. South By Southwest. And uh, after that, they worked together on a documentary with the uh, original score by Justin Sherburn about Enchanted Rock. And then they covered Big Bend, Big Bend National Park out there. Mm -hmm. And now this is the fourth one, The Living Coast, which is the Gulf Coast of Texas. And so it's the filmmaking of Anlo uh, Sepulveda, who does all this excellent footage. And now they've, uh, they've used another friend of Justin's who is doing um, uh, drone footage. So you get all wow. these wonderful aerial shots mm -hmm. in this thing. And now you're going to have the score that Justin has, uh, has composed. This is going to be performed live by the band. So you're going to get all this wonderful The Living Coast. You're going to see it live, like, they, like mm -hmm. they titled it. But if you're going to cover The Living Coast, you're going to be covering a bit of Galveston. And if there's anything Galveston has, well, it has a lot. But it also has a history unlike anything else because it is the site of the worst natural disaster in American history, the Galveston hurricane of 1900. So in the midst mm -hmm. of all this, the living coast with what's going on now in this great filmmaking and the music, um, there's going to be a photo montage section, historical photos of the devastation. Now wow. you see that and you're going to be able to just, just looking at it, almost feel what it must have been like to be struck like that. But... But there's more. <laughs> there is more. Thank you. I was mm -hmm. waiting for that. Um, that's a story that needs to be told. Well, they have hired scriptwriter Timothy Brown, a playwright and also a writer for film and various other things, to write the story of that. So they've got that down. And they've got a professional actor, Robert Kraft, who has done work in this town for a long time, for films, for, for TV, for plays, all sorts of stuff. Um, he's also a musician, a Robert Kraft uh, trio, I believe. He's a great singer. But here, he'll just be talking, but he'll be performing this narrative live mm -hmm. for The Living Coast. Wow. And this is, I think we skipped over the part where this is happening today, Friday, uh, at Stateside at the Paramount. Stateside at the Paramount, okay. downtown. And it's a one-time only thing, right? That's... Or at least one time only here, right here, right now. Right here, right now, exactly. They're probably going to take it on the road like they, uh, they're still touring the Big Bend uh, documentary. So you, you spoke to the people involved. Did they give you some sort of indication as to why they are so drawn to these, you know, various corners of, of a massive state of Texas? And what about sort of nature and specifically uh, they're drawn to? I think they're drawn to just being Texans themselves, what it's like to be part of this, this huge state, getting beyond the, the politics of it, perhaps, getting into the, the actual geography, the land itself, and all the environment that the land is part of. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to cover as best they could to document the iconic parts of, of this great state. Mm -hmm. And the music, it's, it's instrumental, right? There's, there's no It is instrumental. No, there, there's no singing. Or, but okay. it's, oh, for the, for the ones that I've heard or I've heard on the internet snippets of others, it's, and I've, I've heard Justin and Montopolis perform live. Mm -hmm. It's gorgeous. If you can imagine like a really beautiful movie soundtrack 
that's what it's like. The man is is there with his composition, Justin on the keyboards, um, and he's got violins, cellos, percussion, the whole thing. It just lifts you up. Brenner, you are also uh, you're arts listings editor in addition to a feature writer at the Chronicle. So you're a guy who knows what else, what's going on in town at all times. This is true. This is, in <laughs> fact, too true. And, and here's a weird connection, too, because Justin Sherburn is also the resident composer for Trouble Puppet Theater Company. And Trouble Puppet Theater Company is this weekend debuting their latest show. Now, oddly, and it kind of it destroys the connection here, but Justin isn't isn't the person who composed this latest soundtrack. That's uh, the uh, the musicians of Mother Falcon have done this oh, one, okay. but it's for a, a show called American Blood Song, of all things, and it's about the. Uh, I suppose you could say, The Misadventures of the Donner Party. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, performed by <laughs> puppets. So as you might suspect, these are not puppets of the take-your-kids-to-see-it kind. But it's, uh, from what we've seen of Trouble Puppet in the uh, in the past, wow, mm-hmm. it's going to be some kind of a show. That's playing at the Vortex Theater, and I believe it's already started. So it'll be on tonight and Saturday and then in the following weekends, too. Of course, we do have the listings available in the Austin Chronicle. That is true. And also online at austinchronicle.com. Well, while we are on the topic of events on the horizon, uh, there are a couple of very cool events that the Chronicle is putting on next week uh, that are worth highlighting. Uh, on Tuesday night, we are going to be at AFS Cinema, uh, which is the home of the Austin Film Society. And we're going to be co-presenting the screening of a newly restored print of Between the Lines. Have you seen this printer? I have. I have. You have? Well, yeah. Last okay. time and um, wow, Jeff Goldblum. Okay. Uh, this, is a, this is a 1977 film. Uh, it's uh, directed by Joan Micklin Silver, who a lot of people don't really know about, but she was one of the few prominent uh, female filmmakers uh, in the 70s. And this movie is uh, it's a journalism movie. It's about an alternative weekly, just like The Chronicle, uh, in Boston. And they are trying to stay indie in the face of a corporate takeover. Uh, so I have not seen it, but apparently this movie was a major influence on the guys who founded the Austin Chronicle so many years ago. Yes, but please uh, let's note that we are not being threatened with a corporate takeover. No, we are not. This this does not hit that closely to home. Uh, but we are really excited uh, to get to screen this at AFS Cinema. And uh, that's, that's on Tuesday night, and I will be there. And after the screening, uh, I am going to be doing a Q&A with my boss and yours, uh, Nick Barbaro, who is our publisher, owner, and the co-founder of The Chronicle. So he's going to regale us with some stories from, from back in the day. Uh, and then the next night, uh, Wednesday night, we're going to be throwing a big Summer of Pride party at the Blanton Museum. Uh, it's Austin Pride Week is starting. Uh, this is an official Austin Pride event, and it is the brainchild of our community section. Um, I'm going to have to spell that out, community, because, <laughs> because we like to make things hard for ourselves. That's Q-M-M-U-N-I-T-Y. That is, uh, that's the section of the paper for uh, our queer coverage. Um, and our dedica- it's our dedicated space for queer news, features, and events. And this is the culmination of an entire summer of Pride-related uh, stories that we've been running, uh, all sort of inspired by it's the 50th anniversary of Stonewall. Um, so we're really excited about that event. And it's going to be a little bit of a tease for next week's issue. I don't want to spoil that we will be talking about it on the air next week. Brenner, thank you so much for for coming in today. Kimberly, it was a pleasure.
You can find out more information about all of these events uh, and more uh, in the print issue, which is on stands today, uh, or at austinchronicle.com. Thanks to my guests today, Austin Sanders and Wayne Allen Brenner. Uh, thanks to Kevin Curtin and Jonas Wilson for writing our theme music. Thanks to Evan, our engineer. And thanks to Co-op Radio for putting us on the air. We'll be back next Friday at 3 p.m. for another edition of the Austin Chronicle Show. Thanks for listening.